Cool. All right. So what's up, dude? <laughs> oh, there we go. What's up, guys? I'm getting. Oh, howdy. My, uh, sorry, I can't. I can't. I get my notes in order at this very second. There we go, dude. Who takes notes? <laughs> Fucking teacher's pet. What the <laughs> hell is this? <laughs> who are you trying I, to impress, Nick? The, trying to impress me, and I'm very flattered. The so whole, thank you. The whole internet. <laughs> <laughs> you know so you just watched the episode mm-hmm. great love it when that happens did you do that I watched it this morning nice. but a lot has happened since then a whole <laughs> lot of punk rock I couldn't remember so, if uh, I was just wondering I was like I hadn't heard from you guys in a while I texted you Eric yesterday and I didn't hear back I was like oh man they're just like in the weeds so I was oh just sort of like I wonder if uh if it's just there's too much work uh, at hand, I've I've lived so much life since I last saw you two days ago. <laughs> well, let's start the pod and talk about it. All right. Adventure guys. Adventure guys. Welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. I'm Nick the Human. And yet again, two weeks in a row, we are two for two with guests from a certain they band. Introduce our friend Harold the Human. Hello, hey. howdy. Boom. And this is a, a very special guest, as you were mentioned in the very first episode of Adventure Guys. Yeah. Like, you're a cornerstone guest that we've been <laughs> pining to have on this podcast since its inception. Yeah, we can we can blame all of this on you. Harold Great. Peterson, illustrious trumpet player and vocalist for the Holophonics. This is all your fault. I'll take the blame. <laughs> just add to the list. It's it's getting there, but I could, you know. I'll Eric, do you want to explain to the listeners who may have forgotten or joined later why exactly? And you know what's also great about this? It's episode 50 today. Yeah, very special episode Ba-ba-da-da. 50. So it's great to have you on. Uh, like it, it feels significant. It feels like a a good a good guest to have. Um. So yeah, Eric. I'm very honored. Tell us why, Harold ruined. Uh, well, life. I originally watched Adventure Time on the recommendation of Harold, and the first time I tried it, I did not quite think it was that great. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What is Harold talking about? Why? I don't understand." But. Uh, I knew that he liked it. I knew it was worth trying again. So uh, eventually I buckled down and, and did a, a full watch through basically just because I knew Harold wouldn't like something that wasn't good. Oh, well, that's, that's sweet. <laughs> I mean, Adventure Time is so great and it's a slow burn for a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's great to see people loving it as much as I did because it's, it's an amazing show. Yeah. And you, so you were pretty early on it then, right, Harold? How did you find out about the show? Well, um, I think I actually found out about it because when I was at school in Denton, Texas, um, the artist who sang that opening song, I don't even remember what that, what's that artist's name? Do y'all know? Uh, Adventure Time, come on, tell your friends. Y'all, y'all remember who oh, performs well, that? The theme song? I yeah. think that's just Pendleton Ward. Yeah. Is that Pendleton Ward? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was the, um, I guess the the vocalist that like, that did that, they came through oh. and uh, I saw them at a house show in Denton. 
Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't o- know about this. Olivia. Yeah. Is it Olivia Olsen? Is that the name? I think that might be right. Wait, really? Well, that's that's Marceline. Yeah, she was Marceline. What? Yeah. So this is before I'd ever watched the show. What? And uh, she was on tour and played at a house show that I went to before I knew how awesome that was. You oh my know? gosh. What year was this? Uh, I wasn't in Texas yet, was I? I would die if I wasn't and I missed it. Oh my gosh. It was probably 2009. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Not an opportunity that I had to, that you know, that was available for me to miss. That's, mm-hmm. okay, that's fine. Okay, good. <laughs> You can live with that now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, I got to see her play at a house show. And, um, you know, I'd heard friends talk about the show before. Um, but then, you know, once I saw that, I was like, all right, I need to give this what is supposedly a great show a try. And um, I started, you know, watching it. And then I really started binging it uh, pretty immediately. Um, so, yeah, I fell in love with it at that point. Man. And so it was pretty new at that point. I guess there were only a couple seasons out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you were telling me how good of a show it was, I started to try and watch, I think it was like 2013, the first time I tried and I made it like three episodes in and I was, and then I think we were prepping to go on tour and I lost, I got distracted with it. Mm-hmm. I think I'd started watching attack on Titan instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, I, uh, I remember, you know, back when I originally started watching it, I binged all of it that was out. And, uh, you know, I ran out, ran out of episodes to watch and I think it, I took a few years off, you know, it's just that thing where you take a break. But then when I came back a few years later and had, you know, another few seasons to, uh, to, to watch, it was, uh, it was great to jump back on that train. And we've talked about just, uh, and it adds on to the slow burnness of it, but the show just gets better and better the longer it goes on and the more you watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a similar thing where I think I was, or we've talked about it, but I was early on in watching it and I watched the first season, maybe second as it was coming out. And I was like, yeah, this is good. And by the end of the second season or midway through the second season, I was like, all right. And I kind of like fell off because I was watching them as they were coming out like each week. And then I kind of just fell out for a long time. And then a couple years later, some I checked out some more and then couple years after that and now like i've really gotten indoctrinated but i think that having a lot more to watch especially even like the first five or six seasons really does a lot to to rope you in and yeah it's 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 tough watching shows week to week Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, i know like craig of the creek i love that show but just because of its availability uh, it only you know jumps to streaming services once they finish an entire season and it's like not super easy to keep up with it. Like as new episodes are dropping, like on the Cartoon Network app or whatever, you need like some kind of membership or something. I don't know how it works. I looked into it. And I couldn't figure it out. The only solution that I uh, came up with was when I was watching Steven Universe Future. I like paid the dollar on iTunes every week to get the new episode. Uh-huh. Um, but as much as I love Craig at the Creek. I haven't gotten to that point yet. I'll just wait for them to put it on HBO Max in a few months. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool. So then, so then it was a couple of years later that you were like, Eric, watch this show. And <laughs> I, I love that, Eric, you were like, Harold's taste is impeccable. Were there other things that, <laughs> that were recommended to you or like that let clued you in to his superb taste? Uh, I don't know. You've had some like really oddball recommendations over the years and they've all hit. <laughs> uh you know you know what i was thinking of like that band trico yeah it's like something super random and mm-hmm. then i checked it out i was like this is freaking awesome do you know that band nick <laughs> no 
they're they're like a Japanese math rock band. Cool. Oh, I've seen the name. Uh, yeah, actually, but I don't really know them well. Well, maybe I gotta go listen. Yeah, it's it's they're yeah, it's really good stuff. I, I remember I've always thought of like Adventure Time is just that like perfect balance between like controlled chaos and like like you said that slow burn that comes across, which is like no one when they would start watching it. There, you definitely don't get that slow burn. Obviously, when you first start watching it, it, you do get to see the controlled chaos. I think that controlled chaos, like, is what initially grabbed me, and I was just like, "This show is just crazy," and I love it. And then after watching it, that's when I really got to see the the deeper uh, webs that were being weaved in it. And uh, I think that's normally how I like try to convince people to watch it is like kind of talking about that kind of thing. That's a good yeah, you know. I yeah. think I've said on the podcast that your initial pitch to me focused on like how the Ice King story mm. like got involved. Oh yeah. And honestly, he's not like even close to my favorite character mm-hmm. and it's not really my favorite arc, but I think that's like a, like a good way to pitch it though. Yeah. I do too. If you're like the show starts, you think this is the villain and by the end of it, you have so much sympathy for him and he's more of a sad character. Like is, I don't know if that's, is that how you said, I don't know how you, I would love to hear how you pitched it because to me too, I think that was one of the things that, that that jumped out at me. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I was a little bit lost with, I thought there was supposed to be some big story, like, and it just seems random. Like, you know, at, like somewhere in the second season or something. And then Harold's is like, no, it's all building towards something. Like they really get into the lore. It gets a lot deeper, especially with the ice King, man, his, his storyline gets so crazy and, and deep and, you know, and I just had to trust that it would happen. Um, it, and then, you know, going back and rewatching and you see like all the groundwork being laid in, in the first couple seasons, it's really skillful how they like thread things in very subtly. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, recently started just watching from the beginning with a friend and, uh, yeah, just watching even that first, really that first episode that they introduced the ice King. It's just like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it, you could just see that they already had the ideas in place, what they were going to do with this character. They knew how they wanted, they were eventually going to have you see him and his arc and his, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've I have wondered how much they thought about in advance, and it seems like there's probably some things like maybe the Ice King they did, other things that were happy accidents, other things that evolved along the way. Um, mm-hmm. We've talked about that before, Eric. It's yeah, um, it's interesting, but they they did a good job with it. Um, Absolutely, and I think you know this episode that we watched today had like a good amount of controlled chaos. I would say like randomness humor existential questions like <laughs> like it was yeah it was like kids cartoon and also like nothing you've ever seen before in a kids cartoon at the same time yeah. mm-hmm. random humor existential questions yeah that's been the past week for me <laughs> <laughs> so, so wait, you don't even know you don't even know what's <laughs> happened since <laughs> no well so for the for the listeners is that so eric we, we talked about your schedule last time. You drove down, took you two days. You got down to uh, Old Denton, Texas, and you're doing four-day intensive uh, writing and rehearsals with the band. We talked on Friday, and since you're there, we were like, let's do a second one on Sunday, even though it's not going to come out for a second. So we're doing that now. So it's only been, what, two days since I last spoke to you, and the amount of shit that's happened, 
I'm told is immense. Yeah. So we were getting ready for rehearsal yesterday. Uh, and my amp is broken. It's dead. I have no guitar amp. What? Now. <laughs> that thing seemed like a workhorse. It was like a solid state amp. Like it's like what went wrong? It's a digital amp. Oh, digital. Um, from like ten years ago. Had a good run. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it did have a good run. Um, been on a lot of tours. Played like hundreds and hundreds of shows. I don't know how many shows. Probably like six hundred shows on that amp or something. A lot of shows I played acoustic, so you know, couldn't count that stat. But probably like six hundred shows on that amp, and it starts freaking out in our first rehearsal. Uh, so I took it back to Will's place to like see what was going on with it. I hooked it up via USB for a firmware update for the first time ever, and that killed it. <laughs> oh, it just—it's dead now for forever. Classic it won't go technology. Back on. So what are you gonna do? I have to buy a new amplifier. Oh, I'm going to buy the updated version of it, which came out last year, like the Fender digital amp. Does um, it seem it, cool? Yeah, it's it's like way better. It's like I should be using something that's not, you know, 10-year-old digital models anyway, but... <laughs> it sounded fine. Yeah. You knew how to get uh, the good sounds out of it. Damn, yeah. dude, so, that I mean, so that's going to be a huge purchase. Uh, the very next hour of the day... Uh, the van died. <laughs> what? That didn't seem like a possibility uh, when we set out, when you set out on this adventure and when it was discussed. Yeah. Our, our tour van of many years. Um, we, Will and I packed all, all the gear getting ready to go to rehearsal and it doesn't start. Um, and it was seeming like a power issue, something with the battery, which was weird because I just replaced the battery before the trip. It was literally a brand new battery. Uh, but we didn't have time to think about it. Because we had to, we had paid rehearsal time, so we just loaded up Will's truck instead and left the van there. And Will's brother uh, took care of it uh, with a getting the tow truck to pick it up uh, to the service center. Um, and they were working on it, and it's it's better now, but it's just a huge pain in the ass. It works. You didn't even mention the part about how the uh, they sent the wrong tow truck out the first time. Oh yeah, oh, it was. Yeah. It was like a huge, ridiculous situation because we were in rehearsal. Like we had this time that was booked and paid for. Um, and they sent the tow truck out and Will's brother's trying to help us out, take care of it. They sent out like a truck that was not big enough. It wasn't equipped to handle the van. And I was like, well, what did you think you were going to tow when I told you it was an E350 extended cab Ford van? Like, what? Yeah, yeah. So he shows up just to be like, oh, well, I can't, I can't fit it on my, on my rig. So we had to get another tow truck to come. And this is all happening remotely, During, like while we're like in the middle of learning new holophonic songs. Yeah. So with all this madness, were you able to make some good progress on the music? Yeah, yeah. actually. Things okay, are sounding good. really good. I'm really excited about this new music. Yeah. You too, Harold? Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it too. Definitely. Harold would be singer number two in the band. With a with a beautiful voice, lots of harmonies, some some parts of your own too, <laughs> right? Like just yeah. for the listeners, if you're listening to a Holophonics record, in addition to trumpet, yeah, yeah, I'm really I'm really happy with how it's coming. The new music is great. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get to uh, record that soon. Oh uh, yeah, so we figured out our schedule. You're probably going to be gone. Oh okay. Uh, so I think we're going to start the whole recording thing August 31st. Ah. I might miss you, but that's okay. 
So are you are you moving like haven't figured out when my exact move date is, but it's probably like the 30th or something. Yeah. I got figured out. Should... I, I'm probably going to drive all my stuff up in a U-Haul. That makes more sense than hiring movers. Just Let's stop by I... Denton on your way up. It's not like that far out of the way, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, got a guest room. You could stay. Well, you could stay in Plano here if you want. We yeah. could stay at our Airbnb. <laughs> I know, wherever that record is. Everything. Well, let's see where it is, and then maybe I can do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be so ridiculous to like move your whole life and just take a little detour to party with Scott Man in the middle of the drive. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to spend my time. Um, yeah, that that'd be hilarious. Well, I'm glad. I can't wait. I said it before, but I can't wait to hear what you guys come up with. One of the most cool, inventive bands in ska, for my money's worth, the Holophonics, Texas baby. <laughs> um thanks hell yeah um sweet well yeah take some pictures i want to see some clips how was the show did you get all guys all go to the fall of troy show that we were talking about oh yeah 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 was it weird <laughs> being in front of like in a group of people like was it fun to be a, a show bit. honestly to me it wasn't it was like this is so familiar I, okay yeah. the show was too familiar oh okay it was like <laughs> There were three openers, and honestly, we didn't really know that there were three openers. Um, had we known, we probably would have gone later. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> but there was just like that very typical feeling of like, ah, oh, fuck, I have to sit through these bullshit openers I don't care about. Like, you know, as like every day of being on tour, you know? Sure. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> No, I take that back. I I love every band that has ever ever opened a show that I played. <laughs> it's just, my, I mean, it's a law. It's theory. a law of averages. Like, how many shows has a normal person gone to and thought, nah, that opener is fine. I could have missed that and lived. Now, talk about you said six hundred shows. It's like imagine the, some of the bands that must have opened for you. Not not anyone that's probably listening, but there's 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 got to have been some some wild ones. Yeah. Well, the bands that opened the Swallow Troy show, like one of them was. Like the first band, they were fine. It just like wasn't exactly my cup of tea, and like the mix wasn't good for them because it never is at big shows for the first band. Um, so you know, it just, it wasn't really what I was there for. The second band, I did not like. I was bored to tears. Uh, they just stood there and made like ridiculous "Fall of Troy" screaming kind of sounds, but with like without any of the interest or energy. Um, the third band though was awesome. Do you know the '68? No. Yeah, they were pretty awesome. It's the guy who used to sing for uh, Norma Jean in the Chariot. Mm. It's just him playing guitar and a drummer, and it's like it's like hardcore rock and roll. Yeah, it's like yeah, hard, hardcore rock and roll, and almost like with like a a tinge of like rockabilly in there somewhere. I don't know, mm. but it was really good. Cool. Yeah, it's like if every time I die was slower and sludgier. Sweet. Well, it's kind of like this, the Chariot was sort of like a rock and roll band. Yeah, <clears throat> but they were awesome. They were so good. Uh, I, I mean, I, it was a band. I think I had like peripherally heard about them, but never really had heard any of their music. And the live show was awesome. The music is a lot of fun. Uh, but Fall of Troy was, they were fine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it was awkward. It was really awkward. Why? Was it? There's a lot of, a lot of Thomas Eric just being weird on stage. Oh. Was it a good crowd? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, the crowd was pretty good, I would say. I mean, sure. we're in our 30s, so we stood in the back with our arms crossed the whole time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. had to do some stretches, you know, here and there, because my old back wasn't holding up, but, you know. 
it was just it was just it was good but maybe it was the one of the first shows they played back it's a little little rusty that's true that's yeah. fair see he was really like bailing on singing a lot of the stuff he would just like do some ridiculous screams and then just fuck off go and off play guitar. what do you do what do you do the th- oh yeah yeah i mean he's always done that instead of singing just go and guitar <laughs> yeah. solo or like yeah. or do the thing where he starts singing and then like is singing along with the crowd instead of actually right. singing um yeah. which I, that that thing that that move is very fun when you do it at the right moment, mm-hmm. and you do it yeah. very effectively. Like, um, <clears throat> like uh, the front bottoms. I love that band, but they have one song, and he he'll do it, but it's like when all the music drops out. So then, when everybody's singing along, it's like an audible thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. and uh, and, and then if you're up close. You can hear him off the mic. Yeah, yeah then so, you can hear yeah. him off the mic, and like the whole crowd is singing. And you're like, "Cool, this is a special moment that they engineered, and like, to, so everyone gets to sing along and have their moment and be heard." Versus the like, it's just like shredding, and it's like, I guess I could sing along. And <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool. I bet it was still a ton of fun and cool to see that album. That album's great. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite albums of all time. I mean, you can ask Eric every time we go on tour, I listen to it while we're driving yeah. like five times <laughs> over the course of a tour. So, so yeah, it was great to see them play it. Cause I think the, I think I'd only seen them perform maybe only one other time. And the early at that time, which was, you know, definitely the earliest was right after they released, uh, I guess manipulator, mm. um, which I think was their next album after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so I didn't get to see, you know, all my favorite songs of theirs. Uh, so it was really great to, to get to see them perform it. And, uh, you know, all in all, I, they, they performed, you know, uh, up to my expectations, you know, I, I think, I feel like instrumentally, you know, it was, it was pretty solid. I enjoyed it a lot. So. Hell yeah. Well, it's it a-, a little weird. They did the, the album, but then like, I figured they would do like a, a few more like greatest yeah. hits kind of songs afterwards. And, the encore was like just Thomas. He came out and he did caught up and then he did like a half of a cover of El Scorcho. <laughs> it was super awkward. And then that was it. Mm-hmm. Huh? I'm like, is this over? Are the other guys going to come back out on stage? Are you going to play like any of your other songs, like from other albums? They didn't. Yeah. I will say the whole crowd was just incredibly confused. <laughs> you could just like, and you know, like sometimes a sound guy, when he knows it's the actual end, you know, you immediately turn on the house music. So people know like, yeah, like it's actually done. But like, they didn't do that. It was just silent and the lights hadn't turned up and everyone was just kind of like standing there looking at each other. Like, wait, is, uh, what was that? Uh, oh, uh, okay. And you saw people just slowly shuffling towards the door. <laughs> wow. So yeah, it was a weird ending. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've always been an honestly an interesting kind of a weird band. Like I like them, but I don't want to go too deep, but I, you know, they were like one of my favorite bands too, Harold. Uh, mm-hmm. When I met Eric, <clears throat> and uh, they've just had like a really weird ca- career. Like, if, so I got into them on Doppelganger, and I remember going to message boards, and like half the songs had been on the self-titled, so people were like, "Oh, this album's not new." Like, whatever. Like, I was like, "Well, they're so much better on this album." Like, I'm glad they re-recorded <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah. But they had mm-hmm. all those Ghost Ship demos. Yeah. Um. So I remember going to see them on. And people just yelling, go ship, go ship. 
and like Thomas Eric being like, fuck you. We're going to play. We're a band and we play whatever the fuck we want. If you want like a jukebox, you can get out of this fucking show. I was like yelling at everyone. I was like, they're requesting like one of your songs and you play them sometimes like, <laughs> and, it, and then like manipulators record recorded kind of interestingly, like, like yeah. weird. And then mm-hmm. they put out those ghost ships, but like it was good, but not as good as the demos. And then they put I agree in the unlikely event, which was just like such a, a weird album too. I don't know. It's just like, it's like almost like everyone loved them, but like, Every next step they made was like a little bit confusing, but interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. now we come back and everyone's like, well, Doppelganger really was the the jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like we, we all just say, well, you know, no matter what happens, we'll always, we'll always have Doppelganger. Yeah. You know? It's, it's still one of my favorite albums of all time. Whatever happens. Me too. I mean, that's like, that's like, I got my first car. It's one of the first five CDs in there. I finished the SATs. I'm driving home. I'm blasting like, um, you know, maths, like Sidewinder missiles. Or exactly. Yep. It's, I'm just, mm-hmm. just going in like in spring and I'm a senior in high school. I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's a lot of fall of Troy well, talk. Yeah. That was a, that was a good, uh, fall of Troy segment. Play that. The fall of Troy theme song, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, by the way, I am definitely not editing uh, Will's episode before Tuesday. It's going to have to be a Thursday release. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's what it is. Who am I to complain? We'll see about how, how much post-production this episode takes. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, whatever. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So the, the Fall of Troy discussion is out. Should we go into the episode discussion? Episode discussion. All right, so we watched season six, episode 25, Astral Plane. Now, Eric, I, I sensed some non-enthusiasm as I tried to segue us into episode no, discussion. I'm enthused. I love this episode. Okay, great. Are you being I, serious? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Do you not believe me? No, I just couldn't tell. I think you might just, I, I don't know. Uh, I love this episode as well. Harold, you too? I, yeah, I definitely yeah, love this episode All right, as well. we're on the same page. Three for three, baby. <laughs> yeah. So it's a cool fucking episode. I mean, Finn astrally projects, and that's the whole episode. <laughs> um, and we get to see, you know, um, we get to see Glob die, and uh, and yeah, we get like kind of the introduction into, you know, I, I feel like if I remember correctly, I feel like this is one of those moments of the show where the show pulls back. You realize, like, oh, whoa, there really is so much more shit that's going on that they're going to show us. You know, it's true. We've um, talked about that as well. Yeah. Is that you? You think it's a show about Finn and Jake, and and then you by the end of the show, it's like, oh, these are just two extremely minor characters in this insanely mm-hmm. big. It's sort of like Lord of the Rings. You're like, oh, it's a story about hobbits, and then by the end of it, you're like. Yeah, I guess they're the main characters, but <laughs> look at all this shit that's going on. 
They're just one part. Yeah. Great Lord of the Rings reference, Nick. <laughs> I think it's apt. Great. <laughs> Where's the Lord of the Rings uh, theme song? Cue it. Cue it. <laughs> Lord of the Rings theme song. Go. The Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. It was a movie about some fantasy guys walking for a really long time when they got to the edge of the map. Sauron was like, Welcome to Mordor. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, uh, it's fun. Even before he actually projects, they're having, they're at a campfire, Finn and Jake, and Finn is already in like late night dorm room stoner talk, existential, like he's talking about how weird it is that to have pets and like, is their love really just based upon the fact that we feed them and give them shelter and they couldn't get it from anywhere else. So then that's why they love us. Yeah, um, we expect them to worship us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which, I love that he's having this conversation with his dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it de- it definitely sets up that Jake is not his dog. Jake is his friend and brother. Mm-hmm. Like it is, but although it's, I know that it's what it's like. And I I love Jake. Is like he's a like, he's like I'm having some weird thoughts, and he's like that's what happens at campfires. People have weird thoughts. Just kind of true. I, Dude, everything that Jake says is now in such a different light for me, having watched the uh, distant land special uh, together again. And I know Harold hasn't seen it, but you haven't. Yeah. I haven't but seen him. basically Jake just achieves Nirvana and everything about his character uh, in the shows, like his carefree attitude towards things, like every line that could just be a throwaway line seems so much more, important and like how he's like just so close to like the ultimate zen state mm-hmm. that checks out that makes sense <laughs> well now Absolutely. this brings up something else that we we three episodes back we're t- this carefree attitude lazy like nirvana we were talking about how i had watched the big lebowski recently and we, i was talking about how incredible it is i hadn't seen it in like 10 12 years um and i was like damn it's so much better than just like dumb uh dorm room movie like it can get uh pigeonholed as and i was like it's so good and then we were talking about it and then eric was like well harold's a uh dudas priest ordained. Oh, right <laughs> is that true um well yeah i guess you know uh living in the state of texas there you know i guess one positive about a, a slightly laissez-faire government is like you it's really easy to like become like what is considered a, a legally ordained like priest or minister so yeah mm-hmm. I, I went online and got uh did like a um i essentially just put my name somewhere and i got <laughs> you know ordained as a as a i can't remember exactly what they called it but I, you, they essentially say you can call yourself whatever so I refer to myself as a Dudist priest. Yeah. Personally. Now I remember. Okay. So it wasn't, I remember hearing that there's like 200,000 ordained Dudist ministers, but it, so yeah. it's because it's such an easy process. You just, yeah, now, <laughs> exactly. Now the tenets of Dudism, can you, can you talk to us just about them briefly? 
Absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Dude. Now, I, I think, well, I think what it is, it's like, it's sort of Buddhist principles, right? And Taoist. And it's like mixing it in with this, this real go with the flow nature that mm-hmm. the dude has in Big Lebowski. Um, I would agree with that. I, I think you're spot on. With, yeah. 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 It's cool. And seeing like what comes his way as a result of it and, and other people and like what's f what's what's effort truly worth and what is like external achievements worth like there's a big thing in the movie where he's uh told by the the other lebowski the big lebowski like you know the bums lost you lost get a job yada yada look at where i live all these achievements and by the end of the movie it's revealed that he's like poor and it's a sham and none of it, mm-hmm. it was real in the first place and he's just like going on these like roller coasters of ego while the dude is just being the dude and like yeah. pretty much just enjoying life. enjoying his life every single day um mm-hmm. but i bring it up because that's kind of how jake lives <laughs> yeah that's totally true jake 100%. is the dude they is there an episode where he puts on a, a robe and he's the dude because there should be oh man it feels like that would, would be a reference yeah. they would make but i don't I, remember it I'm but sure I, I, I don't, it's almost i i can't tell if i'm just like imagining it like i could totally imagine him Wearing the robe. Yeah. But it's great. I mean, it's awesome too. It's like even when faced with these exist like in true dude like fashion, faced with these existential questions, you know, he starts looking at a star and Jake just goes, That's enough campfire for you, and is able to just go to sleep. Like he's able to hear these troubling questions, internalize them, respond to them as and stay calm and keep moving on with his life. Mm-hmm. It's like a Jake Hallmark, and it's a dude Hallmark. Uh but <laughs> yeah. But but Finn not so much. So after he goes to sleep, he, then he just astrally projects, and then we like take a tour of Ooh. First stop is Mister Fox's house, who's also astral projecting. <laughs> yeah, but but and his but he's not flying around. He's literally just sitting in his chair doing Sudoku, <laughs> yeah. which is interesting. Mister Fox is so enigmatic. Like I, he doesn't have a lot of wants or desires. No, what is that all about? Like, but I, Finn remarks, it, he seems like a lonely guy, but you could get a lot of work done, but it definitely brings up another part, uh, point that comes up later, which is that he's sort of like, well, Simon seems sad, but there's a part of him who maybe wants to be the sad ice King. And you think about the same thing with Mr. Fox, which is he seems lonely, but even when he's dreaming and actually projecting, he's alone. So it, it brings up like another sort of interesting existential question, which is like, do we trap ourselves where we perceive that we are supposed to be trapped like are we the ones imposing some of those those boxing ourselves in like mr fox isn't leaving his house because he's lonely in his house so he just that's where he's supposed to be and you know i don't know i'm now i'm becoming finn yeah all of the (laughs) all of the people that he visits uh they all have this sort of theme of their lonely or alone or sort of outcast but it's sort of by their own devices right and they've because so after he goes from mr fox he goes to bounce house princess uh which i had never seen before and was it was quite ridiculous (laughs) yeah i think this is only her second and final appearance in the show yeah she's she's on the clock doing work which is having people bounce around in her and then says it's quitting time at midnight, which is quite late for. Um, no, it doesn't make any sense. And then she goes home and has like a really nice home, well furnished. Um, and then 
Finn's in there and she's getting ready for bed. And then what is it like a hedgehog that breaks in? A porcupine. Like a porcupine. Oh, porcupine. It breaks in and then starts eating her snacks. She freaks out and goes into a hidden panic room uh, and just seems so scared needlessly. But I guess it's a porcupine and she's an inflatable thing. So she yeah. Can, yeah, it seems logical. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, they, they try to give it a little bit of a moral like, no, you shouldn't close yourself off to new experiences and you shouldn't be afraid of people. But like, this is a porcupine and she's an inflatable bounce house. Like that seems reasonable to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah uh, one thing um, yeah. that I kind of saw with like, you know, seeing Mr. Fox and seeing everyone else kind of also saw this as like, he was getting a chance to look in on everyone having their own kind of existential crisis similar to what he was kind of experiencing, oh, yeah. which by the end of the episode, I feel like is one of the main themes. Well, part of a, a bunch of it is, um, is yeah. Like just the greater question of like, you know, why? And like, why, what, what, why do we live life? Why do we do the things we do? Um, like what's the point and what's important? Yeah. Like um, what I feel like, what are we supposed really? He kind of gets to the end. Like, what are we supposed to be doing? Like, mm-hmm. what is this? Um, mm-hmm. And it's a very valid question, and it's not even resolved in this episode. Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting because a lot of the Adventure Time episodes sort of set up a structure that makes you feel like there's going to be a moral of the story type thing, and then it's like an anti-moral, like they don't really do it. Um, it's kind of a bait and switch, like funny little humor device. This one is like clearly set up. Like you can pretty, you know, easily analyze like the common thread between all these different vignettes. And, uh, there is like definitely a message that's being, being put out there. But when you get to like the moral of the story part, it just leaves it open-ended. And it's like, it, it definitely is doing it for real. Mm. It just doesn't have much of an actual resolution to it. Yeah, which I think is correct given the theme. Like, yeah, there right. really is no, <laughs> there is no answer. There's no. There. So yeah, it's interesting. One of the few Adventure Time episodes that really, uh, you know, makes sense the way they they present the theme, uh, and yet the point of it is that it's it's not really supposed to be anything definitive anyway. Yeah. So nice little turning of the tables there. Yeah. I appreciated it. I love that. It's a great point, Eric. Great <laughs> observation. Because, so, like, what do we just watch that episode? Who would win? Yeah. And they're like, you know, they they structure like the uh, they structured the episode so that you think you're gonna learn these lessons that'll come back to help them later in some big way. But they're just stupid. Yeah. Just, you know, punch him in the eyes or whatever it was. Punch his butts. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, I know you're right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's subversive in that it's playing against its own subversiveness as a children's show. It's playing against, or it's playing, maybe it's playing into its subversiveness because it's like they found it's like an extra fold of its subversive. Yeah. Like it's, Cause like if they're not going to resolve stories neatly with the moral, then telling a story that shouldn't be resolved inside of a moral is sort of like making, it's like the most idealized version of that subversion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is incredible. Um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, just to go on there, 
about the um the different characters they meet and them being alone is that they go to and they go to Cloud Kingdom and Ice King is there trying to hit on a girl. Um he's he's got his going out outfit and hat on, which is kind of old timey. Um and it, he thinks it's going well. He meant he throws out that he's friends with Finn and she seems impressed by that, but then it's only because she wants to meet Finn. Um and then people are kind of like making fun of him and then he flips out and makes all the cloud people into ice. And then all the cloud people fall through the cloud because the ice is too heavy and presumably to their death. <laughs> yeah. He basically know. just massacred all of cloud kingdom. <laughs> yeah. I, that is one great thing about adventure time is like the sometimes just kind of casual violence and death that kind of happens. Yeah. Um, and it's like never, it's like, never gory or anything but it's just like when you think about it you're like oh yeah like those 30 people probably just you know died there i mean i would assume since they're clouds like they hit the ground the ice shatters and they just float back up yeah and like if it melts and then they can evaporate and yeah True. that's kind of a being a cloud person wouldn't be so bad really kind of well we just have to get bit bit by one right i think <laughs> That's how it, works. That how it works. Werewolf rules. Well, <laughs> I told you I started I started rewatching uh the show from the beginning. Um and I'll just say I can't remember which episode it is, but it's the first one with LSP and supposedly it's, it's oh. she calls it werewolf <laughs> rules. If a if a lumpy space person bites you, you become a lumpy space person. <laughs> oh my god. That'd be the worst <laughs> curse of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! How do you how do you feel about Lumpy's face, Princess? Because she's famously like our least favorite character on this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean she's she's the worst, but um, but yeah, I mean she's the worst, and I feel like her her like situations are always very recycled. But uh, and obviously, like she's I feel like that's she's supposed to be someone that none of us is ever gonna want to like hang out with, really. Uh, we don't want to be lumpy space princess. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm constantly losing patience with her. <laughs> she's, she's, <laughs> yeah. she's more of like a functional character. Like you get a yeah. one, you get one laugh maybe if you're lucky. And then she does something that pushes the plot forward. Um, mm -hmm. It's when she hangs around more than that, that it, it really, it's like, all right, have her do her thing. Get the fuck out of here. There's yeah, one episode yeah. we watched recently where she was in literally the first two minutes and then out of the rest of the episode. And we were like, Perfect use of Lumpy Space Princess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, Ice King can get pretty grating to me at times mm -hmm. too. Um, and I think it's because like, you know, Lumpy Space Princess, she's always being a fucking asshole. Like she's really self-centered. She's just unlikable. Ice King also, and this plays into his role in this episode, is like the king of self-sabotage. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. always just doing stupid things that mess it up for him. Uh and that's, I guess, kind of the point of including him in this in this story. Yeah. Right. So after he does that and Finn's watching, he does ask the question like, poor Simon. He's like, I guess poor Simon. He, he does things that seem to keep him in this situation and make him a sad king. But why would someone want to be sad is what he says. Um, and I guess it just goes to playing into our own, you know, self-defeating cycles. And it's yeah. a good... Well, he he tries to find an answer with Marceline there. Yeah, and Marceline's just alone, floating very yeah. high up, singing a song. Is that where creativity comes from? From sad biz? Yeah. 
That is the quote that I took uh, and sampled for my new EP that's going to be out August 6th on Bandcamp and out now on my Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I know. And which I think is a dumb trope. Creativity coming from sadness, you know. Um, would I say that I'm I'm demoing out an album when I say that most of the best songs on the album came from hard times and I was sad? Well, well, yeah. But <laughs> but I still don't totally subscribe to that as like an anchor of creativity. I feel like mm-hmm. it's like it's all sorts of uh, tropes that have been built up around it to make fun legend and stories for us to tell each other about creative people when really it's just people who like to do things doing them and some of the things that people do, other people liking them. I don't mm-hmm. think it's I don't think it's that deep. I'm into the demystifying creativity at all costs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like, you know, I thought about that a lot too when I was watching it and I was like, is that kind of the point they're trying to, like, are they, is that really what they're trying to say? But I feel like at least what she was singing kind of fits in with the scenes that he had seen before, which seemed like it was just a lot of people dealing with their own, like, you know, kind of like dark existential crises where they're just like, is this who I am? Is this what I really want? Or, and or then seeing those things happening with people. Um, and for Marceline, I feel like that's, you know, as they go on to be like, like, what is creativity? And as we're going to hear later on about like, uh, or in a second about like, you know, is, is life the greatest form of like creation essentially? Um, you know, I feel like that ties in with her saying like, well, all this stuff, maybe, maybe the negative, maybe the negative parts of life are a beautiful, or, you know, a beautiful part of creation. And that's why beautiful creations can come out of sadness and and the darkness in life well that's you know? a great that's a great way to spin it that's a great i like <laughs> yeah. i like looking at it that way mm-hmm. it, but, it's putting but it like in. you said there's all forms i mean it's you know all of life is beautiful which i think is a you know really the secondary thing that you can take from the episode even though we only mostly see some kind of dark moments uh-huh. yeah totally and then and which i want to talk about more of that but you know, before we get to that big question is uh, Finn's going up and he, he finds the the space lards. Is that space what they're lard. called? And they're in like, they almost look like Stonehenge things that are just floating in space in a circle. I, I want to know more about the lards. Like they, they appear in a bunch of different episodes and Jake loves lards. <laughs> yeah. I, is, wasn't he like, oh man, I wish Jake was here. He's, I think he says that when yeah. when they appear. He was like, he loses, you know, he loses stuff. Yeah. He loves that milk or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Like, cause there's, there's these space lards that I think this is the first time we've seen space lards and there's sea lards that swim in the ocean. And what other kind of lards are there? There's just, it's like a weird genre of creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're like never really explained. They're just yeah. there. But there, there's there's some sort of reverence to them, like the way that all the characters interact with these lards. It's like there's something more important that's not being revealed to us as the viewer. And I, <laughs> I want to know more about it, but mm-hmm. it, it might just be a mystery. I I don't know. We'll wait. I have to wait for the distant land special lards. <laughs> oh, I, I would welcome that. There is a mystical. They have a mystical power, and in it, they like zap Finn into the mother lard. And they see a baby being birthed in this like weird way outside of the, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a w- very weird birth. 
It's a very uh, Jesse Moynihan sequence. Yeah. Or as yeah, as as Finn said, space birth. Yeah, space birth. They kind of you know, I was like, yes, this looks like Jesse Moynihan, but then also they reminded me almost of Lemon Grab a little bit, the way that they were drawn. I don't know why. Mm, yeah, I can see that. Um yeah, and then he comes out and then they're just floating, and then the baby comes and finds Finn. And then I was like, this is just playing into the magic of Finn and his like acceptingness and curiosity that now the space lords are like, God, he's cool. We'll, we'll help him out or whatever. And then they like shoot him up to Mars, <laughs> which yeah. the Marcy I was watching with my brother and I, I have not been to Mars yet. Um, ever watching this show and they're on Mars and Starman and the globs. And Sean's like, Oh man, I wonder if we're going to see Abraham Lincoln. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on? I, I was so lost. I was like, that's glob. What? I was like, what are you talking? Yeah. Abraham Lincoln lives on Mars. Yeah. Didn't you know? He runs it. Didn't you know? No. I was like, Sean, I kind of wish I had been able to just find that out. But yeah. So Harold, what is happening in this scene that I'm a little bit lost on? Well, are you talking about once they get to Mars? Yeah. Well, now I haven't I haven't done a full rewatch of everything, but in terms of this episode, just looking at this episode, I mean, he's he's coming up on Mars and you see uh, you know, what looks like a society on the planet, and you see uh a lot of the people escaping um, you know, in their spaceships. And uh there's a a comet approaching and he arrives and he uh you know, he finds Glob and Spaceman, I think is his name. Yeah. Um, they're trying to push back a comet from, you know, destroying civilization on Mars. Um, and, you know, long story short, they try to stop it. They can't. And Glob ends up having to sacrifice itself yeah. in and, order to... And sacrifice yeah. itself right on the precipice of this insanely existential conversation that uh-huh. it's having with this astral projection of Finn and which yeah. Finn says, you know, if being born is the greatest act of creation, what do we do after that? Like, mm-hmm. and, and Glob was like, well, if I was to just stop, what would happen to Mars? What would happen to all these people? What would happen to everything if we were to just stop? And he's like, well, sure. But if we're all going to get blown up now anyway, then what was ever the point? And then mm-hmm. that's the moment that, it's like sacrifice time and go up to this comet and try to sacrifice them and ultimately not successful. Uh, no, it was. So oh, it was? the, the issue is that the comet, uh, is supposed to hit earth and it hit and a catalyst oh. comet hits earth every thousand years. Uh, but for some reason it was off course and it was heading towards Mars instead and it was going to destroy Mars. So they just wanted to get it back on course to catalyze whatever was going to happen on earth. God, like it was supposed it. to. Okay, I, I'm totally fucked up, and I thought that then it was Finn's dad was the comet, like it wasn't actually a comet. Uh, that's also true. Okay. <laughs> it's both? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's driving the comet. I forget the particulars of that, but... Yeah, exactly. I kind of <laughs> It is true that he is in... He's riding the comet in like a... Yeah. He's like in it, but uh, I don't remember the context or if they ever even totally explained that part. <laughs> yeah, the comet stuff is just, I remember I never 100% was able to understand it. Like every time I've watched this show, there's always just been a like, oh, but what about 
kind of moment for me where like I can't quite piece together every single element into like this is what this means and this is the order of events. I don't yeah, I don't really know the comet story. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, okay. <laughs> I know I you, you always know all the stories, so um <laughs> but it's cool. And I mean Finn's Finn's question is interesting. I mean, if it's the greatest acquisition we're to do is like is then is every every human action an act of creation? And it's like, I don't know, like asking if that's the greatest act of creation, it's almost saying that like the point of humanity is to create or something. And I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I guess it depends on how you look at creation. Yeah. I guess it depends on yeah how you define it. Because I think in a way I saw, I saw kind of a combination of those last, those last two scenes, you know, him like um, Glob talking about like saving, you know, his Martian society and, and with um, the birth of the space lard, I kind of saw it also perhaps as saying like maybe creation can be expanded to just living every day is its own form of creation uh-huh. because, you know, you, you know, we've all, we've heard, you know, that the, the notion that we are, you know, we're all part of the same universe existence, whatever. And like we, we are the universe experiencing itself, the universe, you know, creating its own moments, you know, right now, right now, you know, you two are creating a moment for me while the other two are doing vice versa. Um, and it's like in a way that that's just a form of creation in itself. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I kind of saw it as like, there was a broader, broader form of, um, of the creative, uh, nature that they're talking about. Yeah. This episode was deep. Yeah. <laughs> Deep in a like very obvious way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you could say that a lot of ep- episodes of Adventure Time are deep in like subtle ways. But, like this this one is like, yo, get get in, strap in. <laughs> yeah. We're going somewhere deep. We killed Blob. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think what you're saying is is right, Harold. And it's like, you know, it's almost kind of being like maybe the like the point isn't to strive for the greatest act of creation. Mm-hmm. Like saying that, like if the greatest act creation's ever been done, what's the point of creating? And that's where I think you get into, you know, what we were talking before about like, does sadness come from, or does creativity come from sadness or does, is creativity supposed to be monetized or for other people or for or all mm-hmm. these different things. But if you, if you, it, you know, that, that lens starts to break down if you were, were to really extrapolate and think about how the greatest creation would be human life, which has already been done. So then it's like, what does comparison? What's left then is to just enjoy those everyday active creations. Like you were like getting at and, mm-hmm. and, and in dark moments and in bright moments and in maintenance moments and everything in between. Yeah. Yeah. It's all beautiful. It's all beautiful. There you go. So did anyone see that beautiful snail? <laughs> Beautiful. All right, Nick, did you see the snail? No, I didn't. Eric, did you did you see the snail? Yes, I saw the snail. Harold, did you see the snail? No, I didn't see the snail. 
Well, I got it. Back to Yo, the snail was tiny. Back to very the tiny song. in this episode. Where was it? Um, he was like somebody was talking, and I think it was Glob that was talking on Mars, and he was like very small, like smaller than usual. Uh, I was looking for him on Mars. It was like such a quick little shot of him. Like it was tiny and fast. And uh, this shot was like not very busy actually. Um, but it was just like you blink and you miss it kind of moment. All right. So that's me. It's on me, baby. Here's my congratulations song. All right. One second. One second. I'm sorry. Congratulations. Uh, all right, is it time for Miscellaneous Mania? It is. I can't hear the songs, FYI. You can't? No. At all? No. Well, I'll tell you, it was a beautiful act of creation. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I mean, one thing we haven't been doing, which we probably should do, Eric, is like just talk about the main people behind each episode in Miscellany Mania. I feel like that'd be a great point for it. Um, and the story, we get a whole mess of writers in this one. Kent Osborne, Pendleton Ward... Jack Pendarvis, <clears throat> Jesse Moynihan, and Adam Muto, um, and written and storyboarded by Jesse Moynihan and Jillian Tamaki, um, and directed by Andreas Saloff, supervising, and Nick Jennings' art, who we talked about last time winning that Emmy. So it's a nice who's who coming up with the story for this one. And yeah. like, like we've said, a Jesse Moynihan feeling uh, vibe. Um, once we get into these areas and some of the art. Um, so that's cool. And there's some, there's some, there's some trivia and some connections. Are you seeing anything you want to talk about, Eric? Uh, let's see. Here we are just reading the wiki once again. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that they're putting on this wiki that don't seem that noteworthy. Yeah. Or, Kind of just make me want to say like, uh, yeah, duh. Like, oh yeah, I Ice King's name is Simon. I I watched the episode. <laughs> this is maybe a an, uh, a segment we can prepare better for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were we've had a busy weekend. Why didn't you prepare for it, Nick? Yeah, I said I said we, and maybe it was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I could probably prepare better for. In my notes. Um, I mean, there are a lot of connections to other episodes in this one. Um, it seems like when they get to some real serious lore on some, on some of these heavier episodes, they do a real good job of 
connecting it to other like very small moments in the series. Yeah. Um, like this is not the first time we've seen Mr. Fox astral projecting. Oh, wow. Um, we saw him do it in the Grables episode that we reviewed a while oh, back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's lots of nice little notes like that where they managed to connect to things. So cool. Um, this is only the second time we've seen Finn's dad, Martin. Yeah. Yeah, I figured, I, I figured that that was early on in like the show, you know, that he, you know, showed up. Yeah, you well, know, it's, it was, it was uh, season six, so earlier in the season, episode two. The first time. Yeah, when it's, they break him out of like space jail. It's pretty interesting that Finn is reflecting on the act of creation being the greatest, or like <laughs> birth creating life is the greatest act of creation and all that and then all this destruction is coming at the hands of his father coming from his father yeah <laughs> coming, coming on a massive comet <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's that's just pretty it's actually ironic mm-hmm. all right eric i'm done let's let's pick an episode all right we we finished that segment <laughs> What are we gonna watch next week? What are we gonna watch? It's the episode Episode 2.14. I don't have uh, a checklist in front of me. Which, I'll, I'll get that? that right now. I'm pulling up my list of eppies. <laughs> Do you go to the Wikipedia or to the wiki? I have a special Excel spreadsheet. Oh, that I think I exported from Wikipedia. Yeah, this is this says the more you know, um, or the more you mow, the mo you know. Oh, we're not going to do that one. Part Vito. two. No. Okay, spin it again. We're saving that for B Movember. Yeah. Uh, hold on. I got. We got to veto this. Here's the official veto coming down. Vetoed. All right, running the episode generator again. What are we gonna watch next week? What are we going Okay, we got episode two ten. <laughs> it's pretty close. Episode two ten is the stakes part six. Um, take her back. Now we've done a few. <laughs> we've done that. One. We did do that one. Okay, take <laughs> her back. Let's run it again. Fuck this shit. Oh my god. Okay. Everything's going great. <laughs> 223. 223 is the Hall of Egress. Oh shit. That's a great episode. Okay, let's do it. That's a great one. I'm in. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Oh, you're excited after being <laughs> sounding so defeated. <laughs> this is like top tier episode. Like any critics list of best Adventure Time episodes has to include this one. Like right. it's so close to the top. We'll get our shit together. I'll look up some miscellaneous mania before it. It'll it'll be good. Um, well, Harold, it was great to have you on this podcast. Finally, um, you've played such a big part in it. You're a great guy, great musician. It's really nice Thank- to have you on. It's nice to see you yeah. too. Oh yeah, it's great to see you too. Thank you all so much for having me. Um, I mean, I love you guys and this podcast is awesome. So I'm very happy to be on it. 
Yeah. Do you guys have anything you want to plug? Any projects you're working on right now? Or uh, well, I'm currently working on some of my own solo music. All so right. I'll be watching out for that to come out hopefully before the uh, end of this year. Is um, it under your name or? Yeah. Um, there's not too, too much that I'm promoting out there right now. Um, so keep the ear out and uh, I might plug it through, uh, you know, through the holophonics. If you follow the holophonics, you might hear about a little bit about it down the road. We'll see. Hell yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. As usual, you know, like, subscribe, tell one friend. If there's one friend you've been thinking about once you get here, when I always say tell one friend and you're like, I should tell that person. This is your signal to text it to them right now. Yeah. If, <laughs> if the first 50 episodes weren't quite good enough to tell that friend, episode 51 will be, will be the one. So go ahead and tell them. Tell them. You can tell them about it. It's fine. It's only going to get better from here, folks. (laughs) It's the rule of podcasting. They get better the longer they run. I feel like we're getting better. Yeah, sure. (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a safe drive back to New York, Eric. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be in touch about posting these episodes because they're not going to be on schedule. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Stay safe. All right, peace out, y'all. Bye.